welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two. I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. I hope everyone's doing well. Thank you for tuning in again. So recently I was uh, talking with a friend and he brought up this verse in Surah Al-Jathiyah, which is uh, chapter 45, verse 23. And we had an interesting conversation about it. And I thought this would be a good topic for for an episode. So I want to go over this verse. I think it's uh, we'll find it beneficial, hopefully, as we as we go through it. Um, and it, by way of a brief introduction on translations, the way I, I like to translate verses of the Qur'an is I usually start with the Marmaduke Pikthal translation, and then I modernize it. After looking at some of the commentaries, I found oftentimes uh, a limited nature in some of the English translations of the Qur'an, because they take one uh, face of the meaning of the verse, and they translate that, and sometimes it excludes others. It's always a challenge. Maybe one day we can... We can spend some time talking about it, but that's what I did in this verse. So the verse roughly translated is as follows. Have you seen the one who takes their self, their nefs, as a god? He is caused to go astray despite knowledge. God has sealed his hearing and his heart and has placed a covering over his sight. Who can save this person except Allah? Will you not reflect? And of course, when it comes to the pronouns, the way the Qur'an works is that this addresses both male and, and female. So, first thing is, I want to just go through a very prima facie meaning of the verse. So, the, f- the focus of this verse is what we call the self, or the nafs. And in Islamic psychology, the nafs is what receives the message from God. It's our rational faculty. It is what makes us morally... Uh, responsible, what we call in, in the language of the Sharia, taklif. So we are morally responsible to do, to do the things that we're supposed to do and to avoid the things that we're supposed to avoid. And in Islamic psychology, in the discipline of, of tasawwuf, of Sufism, that deals with this the most, the self, the nafs, has various levels. And we'll get into that uh, momentarily. So here, the, the focus is the self, that the person has taken their self as a god, meaning that they have submitted them, themselves, they have submitted their way to what their nefs, to what their lower self is calling them to do. When God says, has caused the person to go astray despite knowledge, this can either be understood as despite giving them opportunities and giving them warnings and giving them a message you know to do this or to not do this in other words the person has been instructed properly to do the things that they're supposed to do and to avoid the things they're supposed to avoid that's one way of looking at what that word means 
or despite knowledge here, God knowing ultimately what's inside that person and knowing that this person has given up or that this person has turned away. So this is knowledge referring to God's knowledge of the inner state of that person. And of course, the message of the verse is that when somebody is in that state, the only thing that can bring us back, the only way we can come out of that is through the grace of God. So God asks rhetorically, you know, their, their senses are blocked. You can't reason with this person. When God says uh, he has sealed their hearings and their heart and put a covering over their eyes, you know, when somebody's like very upset, for example, and enraged, um, they can't come to their, their senses. And people have to sometimes physically intervene to, to calm the person down, maybe splash water on their face. Or if there's like a physical altercation, oftentimes people will tackle that person. So in other words, they can't stop. How do they come back? How do they come to? We, we say in English, you know, come to your senses. But what, what we really mean, what this verse is really telling us, is that it's only God's grace that can bring that person back. So that's sort of roughly what the verse is, is saying. Now, the, the story of the nefs, the story of the self, is the ultimate story. It's really the central theme of our entire faith. The idea that we have different levels of the nefs, and I've referred to this elsewhere in, in other uh, episodes. Uh, I can link those in the, sh- in the episode notes for you if you want to, to get into that in more detail. And the Qur'an and the, the teachings of the Prophet, peace be upon him, are essentially a manual of how to get out of that lower l- level of the self, how to break that negative cycle. If you look at it, if you look at the the message of Islam, and really the message of faith in general, not just our faith, but any faith tradition, if you look at it as as addressing the central issue of the person's self, you'll also understand that many of our problems, you know, maybe we'll say all of our problems are related to this issue. That we oftentimes are our own worst enemy. That we can get ourselves into a state or allow ourselves to descend to this negative state such that we are our worst enemy. And that's why the lowest level of the self in Islamic psychology is called nafsul amara bisu, the self that calls to wrong actions. You tell yourself, yeah, just do it, it's okay. And you don't even pause to think of the ramifications. You don't pause to think of the implications. You don't pause to think of, um, is this even a good idea? You just, you feel it, you do it. You feel it, you submit, and you have no remorse. The next level of the self that's slightly better than that is called the nafsul lawama, the blameworthy self. Because at least that person, they might engage in in destructive actions, but they feel bad that they've done it. So even that remorse, that feeling bad that you've done something is a sign that you're alive. Now this verse is talking about the lowest level of the self. So that's very important that we understand. Sometimes yourself tells you to do something and it's actually something that's good. And that's really a gift. So this doesn't mean that every time you have internal talk, it's bad. This verse is assuming in, in the structure of the verse as we, as we've gone through it just a moment ago, this is the lower and the lowest level of the self. And it can be very destructive. And the really the destructive 
nature of it is that you don't see, you know, you don't see that it's it's wrong. And we've all been there. We we know we know what that's like. We know how it is to be in a situation in which you you only see the neg you 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 end up producing a negative situation for yourself, not knowing how you got into that. But if you were able to take a step back, you would realize that you are the source of that problem. Or, and oftentimes as human beings, unfortunately we have this problem, is we see the problem in other people and we forget the problem in ourselves. So we've all seen this happen. We've all seen somebody who has done that, who has acted this way, who's their own worst, worst enemy. So this verse, and you know, by one can extrapolate the entire message of the faith, it's a powerful reminder that our spiritual states, the state of ourself, is ultimately with God Almighty. And that's why we need to turn to Him. And the act of turning itself is the solution. So the solution is not, you know, you have to be a saintly person because you can't, you know, snap your fingers and become a saint. It's, it, even that is a gift that God has chosen certain people and has elevated them in a certain way, etc. But for all of us, equally, what we can do is we can simply turn. And the way that we turn in Islam, the way that the Prophet taught us to turn, peace be upon him, are, there's two ways that we can turn. One way we can turn, and here I'm speaking metaphorically, of course, I'm not talking about physically turn, but one way that we can turn is through the act of remembrance, dhikr. And the reason remembrance is called remembrance, you know, dhikr is called dhikr, is because you remember that which you forget. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, taught us how we can remember. In every thing that the Prophet did, peace be upon him, there was some kind of dua, there was some kind of remembrance. If you look at Imam al-Nawawi's book of remembrance, uh, Kitab al-Adhkar, which has, it's a, translated in English, I'll, I'll link that as well, it's a good translation. There's nothing that the Prophet, sallallahu did, except that there's some kind of remembrance associated with it when he ate before he ate after he ate when he woke up when he slept when he entered the restroom when he left the restroom when he left his house when he entered his house when he greeted people when the sun rose when there was an eclipse you know, when the evening came, etc etc everything there's a there's a, a moment that will cause you to remember and it, let's look at the natural stuff you know when it rains when it thunders etc so those natural occurrences stimulated in the Prophet, peace be upon him, the act of remembering the blessing of those natural phenomena as coming from God. So when he would see the rain or hear the thunder, he would remember God. When he would visit somebody sick, he would remember God. So he used those opportunities, and that's where the lesson is for us, to remind us of God. Just like if somebody's had a positive experience, say uh, a lot of times, and this is hap this happens to me often, and I hope this is not too odd, but a lot of times I'll smell something, and it will remind me of something of my childhood. Maybe that's just a sign that I'm getting old, but it it happens. And if I'm somewhere, uh, because I travel frequently, so if I if, if if I'm somewhere in the world, and I smell something that reminded me of like a season in the area where I grew up it will bring you know the sense of happiness and nostalgia just by that scent so 
it reminds you. So if you link these occurrences, these social interactions, with the remembrance of God the way that the Prophet, peace be upon him, did, in a sense, everything that you do will be a way of remembering. And you'll be able to turn that way. The other way of remembering is to repeat something often. So to repeat prayers on the Prophet, you know, salawat, or to repeat things like subhanallah, or alhamdulillah, or la ilaha illallah, or allahu akbar. Or if you have, uh, you know, if you're part of a, of a spiritual order and you have your litanies that you read in the morning and in the evening, etc., you repeat them. Why do you repeat them? You repeat them to re- remind yourself of this quintessential truth. That God is there, that God is watching, that He is worthy of worship, that He is worthy of awareness, etc. So that act of simply turning, of remembering, helps you get away from this descent of the self to the lower self. So you're always remembering. Now, when you remember, you're still going to sin, you're still going to make mistakes, you're going to still have moments of, of uh, gaps in your, in your character, in your demeanor. And that is to be accepted. And when you fall, you, you remember, you make tawbah, and then you move on. And in that way, you're better than the person who is spoken about in this verse, who just follows their lower self as if it was a god, meaning that they'll do whatever they feel. But rather, when you remember, hopefully, when you say you, you, know, you have a bad habit, when you come to do that habit, or you're in a circumstance in which that habit manifests, because you've been in the practice of remembering, before you engage, you'll remember, I shouldn't do this. You know, let me change my environment. Let me change my, my behavioral pattern, etc. So I don't fall. And that's why the verse says, you know, who can save, who, who, who is the one allowing this to happen? It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's by the constant act of remembering Him. He will be in your conscious. He will be there when you need Him to be there to not fall into that action. So that's one way. One way is to turn in the act of remembrance. The other way of turning is in contemplation. Uh, sometimes we just simply don't think. We don't sit down and, and, and contemplate and think, why am I always in, in this pattern? Why am I in this rut? Why am I always finding myself in this type of situation? If you simply map it out, you'll be able to see the pattern. And if you see the pattern, you can break that pattern. Maybe it's a certain... Um, routine that you do that leads to this action maybe it's a certain amount of friends groups um, people that you're surrounded with maybe it's something uh, that you're eating maybe it's something that you're seeing it's whatever the case may be you'll be able to map out that pattern and if you map out that pattern then you can hopefully inshallah break that pattern by by dissecting it so you have to just think about it think about your life think about your situation think about where you've come from where you are now and where you're going so these two Tools, remembrance and contemplation are the two ways that we turn to God and therefore save ourselves from what this verse is talking about, from just descending. That we always keep God front and center. And that's why in the famous uh, hadith of Gabriel, when Gabriel comes and asks the Prophet, peace be upon what's Islam, what's Iman, what's Ihsan? When, when Gabriel asks about spiritual perfection, Ihsan, the Prophet said, peace be upon him, that you worship God as if you see him. And if you don't, meaning if you can't be at that level, then at least know that he sees you. That's what remembrance and contemplation brings. It brings that state where you see God, you know that he's watching. So 
you're not alone. You're not by yourself. You can't just give in to whatever. There has to be some kind of discipline. There has to be some kind of power of saying, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm determined to do this no matter what. So, yeah, I'm going to wake up and pray and pray Fajr because it's something that's important. It doesn't matter what time I sleep. It doesn't matter, you know, what my daily routine is. This is very important that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to pray. And throughout the day, I'm going to find the time to say my prayers because that's important. I am going to do it. I'm determined, inshallah, to do it. So you know that, you, you know, you need to do it. It's not like, oh, you know, now I got to pray. Uh, you know, as if it's like a hardship. But you're like, no, I have to just, and like I have to eat, I have to use the bathroom, I have to sleep, I have to pray. It's just, it becomes something, something like that. So this verse, I think, you know, it's, it's taken me a while to, to wrap my head around it because it's so, it's so powerful. It's, it's just one verse, but it, it has such a whole host of, um, you know, a depth of meaning to it. And a, a reminder for me as I was putting all of this material together, a reminder for me that this really is the message of, of Islam. It's about, it's a manual for yourself of how, how not to be like this person, not, not to be your, your own worst enemy. And to remember that your you know, emotional state, your spiritual state, it, it really is related to your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So some initial thoughts, I mean, of course, one can go on and on and on about this because this really opens up a lot of doors to Islamic psychology, Sufism, Tasawwuf, uh, you know, what are the different levels of the self, how do you advance? I mean, too much for, for one episode, but perhaps um, we can put this material together uh, some other way and present it. So I'll leave it there. I hope this is helpful and I will talk to everyone soon. Thank you.